0: And now I decide, hey, you know, it's only been uh, 11 years. Maybe it's time to be a good parent. What the heck? I don't think I can be convicted for that because I wasn't looking up. And I'm sweating and I'm sweating and I realize fairly soon I'm going to need to start to tread water. Tread water. Hey, welcome to the bitterest pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in my garage. Uh, uh, it's been, uh, listen. Uh, my apologies. I had. I mean, I, you know, you know me. You've known me for a long time. So this isn't a huge surprise. I gotta turn off this light. This isn't a huge surprise to you uh, that I'm a bit of a procrastinator. But I gotta tell you something. Uh, almost 10 years ago when I started these recordings, I was so excited to do them. I would do them twice a week, right? I mean, literally at the beginning, in November of uh, 2004, I would do two a week. Now they weren't an hour. They were maybe 25, 20 minutes, 35, you know, whatever. But I would do on a regular basis, I think anyway, this is my fantasy memory, two a week. And I just looked up on the internet ...on my own website, which looks like uh, it's been left for dead... ...that it's been since April... ...since I was in here to record one of these uh, programs. Oh, that's that's bad. It explains... right? It explains a lot. It explains the popularity of the show. It explains uh, how seamlessly this will probably go. It will explain how you thought I uh, had retired... Uh, Etc. So first things first. Let, I'm going to move the computer. I had to move the computer away from the microphone. You probably couldn't hear that. I know. Don't don't even. I know. I know. I know. You can't hear it. I can hear it. It drives me crazy. We never hear it. Dan, you're always bitching about the flies or the computer sound or the uh, compressor next door. For the not a compressor, but you know, it's like a filter. There's a filter on the swimming pool next door. Where Stephen Whitebridge used to live. Oh, that's another thing to add to my list. Where's my pen? Stephen. You know Steve. My neighbor, Steve. Okay. Well, I got no pen. That, that, that's how it's going so far. What are we? Ten seconds into the show, I got no pen. See, now I hope... Can you hear the papers rustling? Because that I want you to hear. Th- those are sound effects. These are legitimate on-purpose sounds. Not the computer sound. So listen, how have you, how have you been? Oh my God. I, have, I am the most negligent... Neglectful friend, ever in the history of podcasting, how have you been? How how are you? You look great. You look like a hundred bucks. The kids are well. Yeah, your significant other still hanging in there, complaining about everything you do. Fantastic. Business as usual. Superb. Uh, it's hot in here. It's September here, and but it's Southern California here, so it's hot in here. So every couple of minutes, I may need to I may need to pause and put on the air conditioning unit. Now that's, oh, now the computer's on top of it, so I have no access to the button. So this should be interesting. So what, see, what I have to do, I have to find that perfect little midpoint where I'm warm enough to justify turning on the AC, but I'm not so hot that I'm delirious and can't reach it. That, that's, that's really kind of that sweet spot of like, on, you know. So let's talk about this. I have no you know, Listen, because I haven't recorded since April, trust me, there's plenty to get into. Um, the kids are back in school. We're going to do this on a regular basis because clearly for my mental health, I need to do this and I need to work out. Cures for depression. Uh, apparently physical exercise, plenty of sleep, and uh, r- r- yelling into a microphone. So... You know that I'm a, uh, right, among other things. And really, it's not even among other things. The only thing I do is sit at home quietly waiting for the phone to ring for someone to uh, magically offer me an acting job. You know that, right? That I I fancy myself. <sighs> yeah. So I go on auditions. I went on an audition uh, a couple weeks ago for uh, CSI Cyber. Not doing that show. Uh, for, uh, well, since I last talked to you, God only knows, right? What I, some movie, some movie had the word dog in the name and it had nothing to do with dogs. I played like a, an accountant for the tooth fairy or something, the tooth fairy or like the, the angel that's on your shoulder when you're deliberating about something. I don't know. It was the weirdest script. I did a weird audition. I, I can't even imagine someone's, I, I don't know what's happening. I, I really don't get it. But, you know, I go out on these auditions every once in a while. You know, I'll go over to Bones. I go to Bones every once in a while. You know that show Bones? I go to Bones. They bring me in on Bones. You know who gets the uh, parts that I go in for for Bones? More famous than me, guys. And I may have told you this part because I think this happened before April. When you go as an actor who's unknown and a failure, because let's face it, I have about five credits to my name and I'm an old man. And when you go into an audition for a really good part on a really good show and you walk in there and a guy that used to star on a Star Trek is in there, you know, give it your all. But I mean, come on, really? It's either you or or, or the hologram guy. The hologram is winning the, 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 the role. Right. I would give it to the hologram guy. So. So here's the irony of irony. So the roles that I get are every once in a while. Oh my God, have we even talked about the puppet? I got to look that up. Do you, do you know that I did a commercial with a Muppet? Do you know that? I don't even know when that happened. Ugh, I, I don't want to tell you that story again. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. Remind me. Remind me that I did a commercial that you will see hopefully soon next couple of months with a Muppet and I don't remember if we've talked about it because again it's been since freaking April and I don't right I'm a middle-aged bald short bald man who's tired and cranky and I can't remember anything so just please so I did a commercial with a Muppet right and you know I did intelligence that's air that's over that got cancelled I'm not even coming back it doesn't matter how horrible I was I mean that's kind of the good thing I was horrible on the show because I always think I'm horrible. You might have thought I was great. I thought I was horrible. You know why? Because I'm horrible. Because I'm horrible and I'm a sham. And won't you please hire me for your movie? I shouldn't say things like that because maybe that's holding me back because I'm sure someone's listening to this that was just about to give me the breakout role that I so uh, longed for. And then they heard and thought, oh, no, not another one of these insecure actors. So this is what happened. So, you know, I go on these auditions, and I and I audition for the... And every once in a while, I get a role. And I get a role, you know, as a guy in a suit, a lawyer, a doctor, a... Uh, 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 what have I played? A cop. I once played a cop. I once played a technic, You know, like a forensics guy. Okay, so. So, what happens? So, the kids go back... This is a very recent story. This just happened a couple of days ago. It was probably a week ago today or yesterday. So... The kids are back in school. This is this is the great maelstrom that is my current life uh, right this second. So the kids go back to school. They've been home all summer. We didn't go anywhere. The very end of summer, when we went to Santa Barbara. We'll talk about that later. I don't want to get sidetracked with Santa Barbara just yet. But the kids are home all summer. And Tulu doesn't go out on many auditions. I don't go out on that many auditions. And then, of course, the moment school starts, she has an audition. And she has an audition... In the valley, which means we have to go from here, which is near the airport. You know, I live near the airport, right? Los Angeles International Airport. We have to go from this airport. We have to go uh, up, 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 up over the hills, the Hollywood Hills, kind of in a way, and then down into, I guess it's, I don't know, what is that Studio City to to this audition. And Tolu usually, Tolu's my daughter. Tolu had some big auditions over the summer to be like a series regular on a show with Jenny Garth, and to be, and I'm, I'm not joking, my daughter auditioned to be Laura Ingalls. Now, she's not going to be Laura Ingalls, but that's just kind of freaky when you're driving your daughter to audition to be Laura Ingalls. Little House on the, you know, Little House. Little House on the Prairie, Laura Ingalls. Laura Halfpite Ingalls. She had that audition. But then there was a lot of time off after the Jenny Garth and the Laura Ingalls and the whole thing. And then this audition comes up. So we drive to the valley. It's the first day of school, of course. She's had to go to orientation that morning. So we're all exhausted. Her mother, my wife, is in Barcelona. See, there was a chance that we were going to go, all of us as a family, to Barcelona. Which is how you're supposed to say it, right? Right. Do I have anyone in my audience from Barcelona? I don't think so. But I think that's how you're supposed to say. Barcelona, right? I don't speak Spanish. I speak speak un poquito, a bit of Spanish. Hombre, adios. Vámonos chicos, es tarde. That was my line from West Side Story. And I can say, Buenas tardes. And wait, where's my wife? Barcelona, Barcelona. So so so, so it's the first day of school. We're exhausted. The kids are exhausted. I mean, everyone's exhausted. We were just, we just got back from Santa Barbara. We literally still have like horse riding dust on us. We go to school. My wife flies to Barcelona. My daughter and I, Talud, go to the valley to an audition. Now, my daughter has worked in a couple of commercials. One of them never aired. I would have shown it to you. It was for Dairy Queen. I don't know what happened. It just didn't, they don't all air. What can I tell you? Maybe my Muppet thing won't air. And if it doesn't air, I'm going to cry like a little baby. But we're in the valley. So my my daughter's worked a couple times on union jobs, Screen Actors Guild jobs, but she's never had to uh, unionize, so to speak. So we're going to this audition, and I don't even think about it, so I don't realize that it's even though it's for Target, a big retailer, it's a non-union commercial, which means every girl... Between the ages of about 8 and 12 in the greater Los Angeles area is dressed up all sassy and they're waiting to audition. And as we roll up on this thing, I get a call. Tolu and I have the same agent. Not commercial agent, but for like movies and TV shows and stuff. And so our agent calls. And I think it's got something to do with this commercial agent. Thing that Toulouse doing, the 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 target thing with all the girls. So I so she says, "Oh no, I have." And these are words. And I gotta tell you something. I didn't even realize it at the time because I was so stressed out. Because I was so tired. And my granny, my wife is in Barcelona. I am so exhausted. I don't even remember where my son is at this point. I think he's at school and he's stuck at school until we can be done with the audition and all the girls and the whole thing. But you're waiting all your life to hear these words and you're not in the frame of mind to hear them when they come, but they come. And the words are this. I have a movie offer for you. which I don't even fully understand. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I have a role. Someone's offering you a role in a movie. What do, you, what do you mean? How can someone offer me a role in a movie? I haven't, you haven't called me. I haven't auditioned. I haven't studied my lines. I haven't gone over there. I haven't been crappy. I haven't just gotten through by the skin in my teeth. How, how can, how can this be? How would someone offer what I don't even I I don't I I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. So she says, well, one of my clients. Is starring in a movie and they need someone to play an ER doctor in the movie and the guy they had before got a different job or something, He can't do it. And they saw your reel and they want you to do it. Can you do it on Friday? Now, my brain says, How can you do it on Friday? Your wife is in Barcelona. But my mouth says, Uh, sure. And my agent says, You don't sound so sure. And I say, Well, it's because my wife is in Barcelona. And I don't know. I don't, how, okay, I got to figure out how to get, I guess, my kids home from school on that day on Friday. How do I get, how do I do that? So, 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 so I'm at this audition with my daughter and all the girls in Southern California trying to figure out at the drop of a hat at a moment's notice with no whatever, who can pick up my children at school and bring them home. And really the trick is my son, because my daughter, I bet I could ask her friend her friend's mom, because they they hang out together a lot, and then they go to dance, and maybe they go, or they just go to the house or drive off of the house or whatever. I, if I can get Hudson to the house, Tolu can be at the house with Hudson alone. Hudson's, listen, by the time your child is four inches taller than you, I think they can be in charge at home. So I just got to figure that. So the next two hours is me getting pressure from my agent to figure out what to do with my kids, because let's face it, I'm an actor who's really a stay-at-home dad. And even though I don't feel like a stay-at-home dad and I'm really not technically a stay-at-home dad and I really should just really get some kind of job, every once in a while it turns out, ha ha, ha I'm a stay-at-home dad. So through waiting through the audition, go uh, she's in the audition, getting out of the audition, driving home from the audition, going to get my son, blah, 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 I'm trying to figure out, trying to figure out, trying to figure out. I'm calling my wife. She finally calls me. But Oh, no, wait, no, she hadn't left for Barcelona yet. Is that true? Yeah, she actually hadn't... She was going to leave the 5 o'clock the next morning. So we figure out that we can't figure it out. And I say to my agent, listen, you know, I mean, I don't know. Tell them I'm so sorry. Tell them I can't do it. I have a migraine just from thinking about it. If they could get me out of there and I could get to the west side by 6 or whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I would love to do it. And I was just sort of giving up on the whole thing. So then she... so. So she calls back and says, well, guess what? Good news. They, you'd be out of there by lunchtime. And I say, great. And then she says, <laughs> well, you do have someone that could look after the kids during the morning, right? Because they're going to want you to be there at 8. See, I've been so focused on getting the kids home. From school. It never even dawned me that I had no way of getting them. Yeah. To school. At the crack of dawn. At the crack of dawn. So I tell my agent I'm going to work it out. She is, She makes me assure her. I assure her. I assure you. I'm going to figure it out. And she says, okay, well, good luck, have fun. Oh, and what they told me, by the way, is there's a lot of lines. So you have your work cut out for you tomorrow. So get studying. I'm trying to wake up the computer to make sure I'm not talking to myself. I spend the entire Thursday... Learning my, lines, learning my 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 right. As my wife is flying to Barcelona. And there's technical mumbo jumbo in there. I can't remember. I can't think of any of it right now. Something about micrograms per deciliter. That was that was part of it. I had to say, oh, you know, eighteen to twenty-three micrograms per deciliter. You know, but when you're bald and you wear glasses. You're expected to be able to say things like that, right? If you want to perform in motion pictures and on television and you're small and bald, right? You're going to have to say micrograms per deciliter with a fairly straight face. You're going to have to say things like Cushing syndrome. I don't know what the hell that is, but apparently the guy in the scene does not have it. And I have determined that through my vast medical expertise. Even though his, uh, oh, what was it? The doctor's, doctor, you know what I'm talking about. Cortisol, his cortisol levels were through the roof. Through the roof. His cortisol levels were through the roof. Like at 15 micrograms per deciliter. I can't believe that I'm remembering this. Uh, uh, Which uh, you don't see levels, you know, you don't see that high a level on patients with uh, Cushing syndrome, which uh, he definitely did not have. So so I'm studying my life. Studying my life so, so the the only thing I can figure out for the kids is my daughter's friend's mom is going to pick her up in the morning at like, uh, I don't know, like 730. Now, I will have left. I have to leave at 7 because I live on the other side of town from where we're shooting. We're shooting like over in downtown-ish L.A. I live here at the airport. So I have to leave at least an hour to get there even though it's probably only about a mile. So I have to leave at about 7. My daughter's going to leave the house at about 7.30. My son uh, has a slightly late start to his day, so he can hang out until she's got to go. Thank goodness. Otherwise, I don't know what we would have done. The only thing I can think for him is for him to take an Uber car. Do you have Uber car? It's sort of like a, a currently legal, but we'll see taxi service for people that have, you know, cars. It's sort of, what is it, the eBay of taxi services? You just you get an app and you tell the people on the app you need a ride and then some guy shows up who probably couldn't get a job as a taxi driver and then drives your kids to school. Apparently that's an option, and that's the only thing I can think of. And my wife is, of course, now she, by by now she's in Barcelona, and she has a lot of great ideas. Hey, do you remember that woman? That was, it's the, she, she's the assistant to the guy that I used to hire to do the the sound editing when we were mixing those spots. Uh, Fifteen, maybe she could do it. I think she might live in the area. Oh, so I'm supposed to call the assistant to a guy that you used to hire that you used to maybe ten years ago? Okay, that's not that's not happening. I'm going to call an Uber car. And she's worried about the Uber car expense. But I'm like, forget it. This is the only plan I have. And so that's the plan. That's the plan. And I put the plan in motion. And it isn't really until I put the plan in motion that I realize that it isn't the expense that I'm worried about. It's the likelihood of murder. Because I have never put my son... In any form of public transportation or slightly privatized transportation or eBayized transportation, app based taxi hailing transportation by himself. I don't know if that makes me a good parent, a bad parent, a whatever parent. All I know is he's 15 and a half and he's never had to do it. And it's not that I don't trust him, I just don't, right? Who are these Uber guys? And why are there so many? And what what are what are the qualifications to be an Uber driver that you're not doing anything else? I mean, literally, who's an Uber driver? They're not cab drivers because they, they have shifts. They have a cab. These are just guys that aren't, what? Guys that don't drive limos around LAX because they're not in the Russian mafia. I mean, I, I'm pr- pretty sure that's what it is. So I leave at 7. My daughter gets picked up perfectly at 7.30. Her friend's mom, no problem. She gets to school, no problem. We have cell phones. Everybody's texting me. So an hour, you know, whatever, 8 o'clock rolls around. Eight thir- I'm on the set. I'm in my scrubs. I'm in a T-shirt, scrubs, and a lab coat, and uh, um, and full makeup. I haven't had full makeup on since uh, the, uh, the eighth grade. I, I mean, this makeup woman was a doll, but I no one has put such full pancake on me, I I think, ever, ever. Whenever I go into a makeup trailer, they're always like, oh, well, we're just going to, you know, and basically what they do, I'll be honest with you. I usually sit down. I make a joke about, ha, 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 who has to work on my hair? And then they try to take down the horrible bags under my eyes. And then they get out a big sponge and a big tub of, Caucasian covered uh, colored powder and they p- pat the top of my head for about 10 minutes to try to get the shiny sweaty head under control that that's usually the extent of it and this young woman as lovely as she was I think she just like went to town so I don't know if she usually does uh, the, the weddings of insecure women I, I don't know what I don't know so I'm on the next thing I you know I'm on the set I've been chit chatting with some guy everybody's so nice and they write they introduce themselves but they don't tell you what their title is so you don't really know who's who until you're actually on the set and like I still don't know what that one guy did he was just sort of milling around I guess he was the producer. I have no idea are you the what what are you I mean I know your name's Jim but what what does that mean to me I just arrived so I'm on the set and I'm in my scrubs and my t shirt and my lab coat. And, you know, we're not shooting in a real hospital because that would be weird. We're shooting in some building that is often used as a hospital in movies that is in some weird ass industrial part of downtown L.A. And so I go to the set and I'm, you know, I've met the director, uh, the star and the, his, the woman that plays his wife. And we're in this tiny little corner. There's this huge we literally have the entire floor of this office building. And we're in a tiny little corner, next to glass bricks, and the corner is then cordoned off by the you know the the, the curtains that you would have in an ER room for privacy. Those little privacy curtains. So I hope anyway that I'm gonna come because I come into the scene. It's kind of a long scene, and around the the middle of it, I come in, and I'm the doctor, and I say, "Where were you? And what were you doing?" Like I'm a detective or something, and I'm hoping that I get to come in and really kind of dramatically. Like Dr. Lee, you know, slide these curtains. That's what I want to do. I want to come in and the curtains to open them to get some GD air circulating in this corner with the glass bricks because the glass bricks, they go outside and the sun is shining through these glass bricks. And it is so hot in this damn corner. It's hot, and there's a big light, and there's no air circulating, and everyone else seems cool as a cumber, but I'm in a t-shirt and scrubs, and everything, they're, right, the scrubs are polyester, the lab coat, it's my lab coat, so I, and it's so polyester, it's so thick, and it's horrible, and I think I'm a nervous wreck because I'm kind of just waiting for my son to stop returning my texts, which will be my indication that he has been killed, Right? So that's kind of what I'm I'm trying to remember my lines. I got a lot of lines and it's all micro units per deciliter and Cushing syndrome and uh, uh, cortisol levels and 18 as high as 23 might be okay, but you came in at 50. We don't see those kind of, right? And I'm doing... uh, my. So the director says, well, listen, so Dan, so then when you get your cue, I want you to come in the nurse is going to be behind you. She's going to start to uh, detach all the microbes. Not microbes. What, what are they? You know, the things, the leads, the little wiry things. The, he, she's going to detach them from the actor, the, the handsome, handsome, young, perfectly perfect-haired actor. God, what would it be like to be that handsome? I swear to God, it would be just fascinating. So she's going to come in. She's going to undo all his things. You come around the bed to his side. Across from the wife, you close the clip. You're going to be looking at a clipboard. You close the clipboard and then you do the scene. And I'm like, what, I just stand here and do this? Yep, just stand. So you just come in and just do the scene. Just standing here. Yep. In the heat. Is it, am I the only one? So thank God. The nurse, who's an extra, but still the nurse is also hot. So at least I'm not the only one constantly fanning themselves like we're about to pass out. At least I'm not, because I can only imagine if I'm the only one, because everyone would be like, well, it's a little warm. It's warm. It's warm. But no one seems to be sweating and sweating and sweating and sweating. I'm sweating so much. I'm going to need to tread water any second. I swear to you. So action, and they're doing the scene and they're doing the scene and it's this slow kind of dramatic like, What happened to us? I don't know, Jeremy. A lot of things. But we can't discuss that now. You're here in a hospital. With wires on your chest. I know. But your shoes. That's that's not what we're talking about now. And here's Dan's cue. And so I come in and I'm like, you guys, I am so freaking hot. But instead of saying that, I'm saying, Mrs. (laughs) Mrs. A (coughs) tree. Hold on, you guys. (coughs) And I'm dying and I'm dying and I'm waiting to hear that my son is dying. I'm waiting to get a text from my son that says, Dad, I love you. You'll find my body lying in the gutter at the corner of Bundy and Pico. Now, Stan, the director, the director's name is Stan. Stan, the director, is cool as a cucumber. And he's giving me direction, and I understand his direction, and I think I'm doing the direction. And we're slowly getting there inch by inch, but my faculties are at zero. And I'm not saying that I'm, like, ruining the day, because I've done that, and I know exactly what that looks like, and it wasn't that, trust me, X-Files much, but... I'm not, I'm not, it's not that I'm not giving him my all. I am. I'm just, my all isn't all there. Now, thank God, so you know, you shoot the you shoot the scene in a big wide shot, and then you do everybody's close-ups. And so we do the wide shot, we do his, we do hers, and then it's finally time for mine. Can you imagine, by now, we've been shooting, it's almost, I think, 11. I haven't eaten because I haven't left the set since I, I don't even know what so it doesn't even really dawn on me at the time because I there's nothing I can do about it. I haven't eaten anything until, since, I'm sorry since probably let's say 7 in the morning and at this point it's about 11.30 let's say so I'm hot, I'm sweating I'm probably going into some sort of insulin shock That I just don't even realize. But we're getting through the scene. We're getting through the scene. And Stan is being cool, man. Because Stan knows he doesn't need everything to be perfect. He just needs to eventually be able to cut a movie together. So we're doing the lines and doing the lines. And I'm saying things like micro units per deciliter... And I'm doing the thing and I'm getting more impatient with the guy, which is what Stan wants. He wants me to really lay into this guy and just rattle off this list of things that he's supposed to do or not do or think about or whatever. Anything you, anything unusual you did, what you ate, you saw, anything that you had an emotional reaction to, anything at all that would have given you distress. And then I storm off the set and I look back at Stan. I'm like, Stan, I'm going to drop. And he has this big smile on my face. I'm like, yeah, we got the scene. And the next thing I know, everyone's clapping. Because they've called that I'm wrapped. And I'm just delirious. We did it. We did it. The scene's over. The shoot will go on. The train has not been derailed by yours truly, even though I'm sweating like crazy. I have never ripped a lab coat off of myself so quickly in my life. The lab coat comes off. The scrubs come off. The AD shoves a bunch of paperwork in my hand that I'm supposed to read. I can barely see. I sit down there in my t-shirt and I just kind of slump over with a borrowed blue pen. And I think to myself, oh my god, I hate blue pens. I hate blue pens. And I don't, what is, what is my name? Ah, uh, do I put my real name or my stage name? Aren't they the same name? Well, yeah, pretty much the same name. Your stage name is Dan, and your real name is Daniel. Should you put Daniel or should you put Dan? I don't know. It's deciliters per micro unit. No, it isn't. It's micro units per deciliter. You're right, Daniel. Just put Daniel. This is a legal document. This is a thing. This is a thing. So as I'm leaving, I ask the AD, hey, how do I get out of that weird parking garage downstairs? And he said, oh, yeah, I'm glad you asked, because there's a gate. There's a gate that your car will open when you try to get out of it. So don't worry. And I'm like, great. And by the time I get to the car, because this is typically what happens. The adrenaline leaves your body. At least this is what I go through. And maybe a lot of actors just don't do this. But because I work so rarely, there's so much adrenaline and so much relaxation and dr- adrenaline. So you're trying to relax while you're overdosing on adrenaline. During the walk to the car, all the adrenaline will eventually leave my body. And then when I get to my car, I want to quit acting forever. I'm in a post-performance depression. So deep that and treasure is scattered upon the floor of the base of my self-esteem. Luckily, and I know this is gonna, this is weird, but I think this is actually true. So I'm going and I'm fighting the depression because there's always like post audition depression, and then there's post performance, just like oh my god. So I'm literally like, you can't do this anymore, Dan. You don't have the the chemistry for it. If a man cannot just be on a set for five hours or however long a crew can go. Because a crew goes for like six hours without necessarily eating. If you can't physically do that, you can't be an actor. Dan, you can't always have a zone bar in your damn pocket. You just can't. Maybe this is really super, super serious, not what you should be doing. And as I'm saying this, I'm walking to my car and I'm passing the gate, and there's a woman on the other side of the gate in her car who's obviously an actress who's there for some other scene for the day. And I'm kind of not paying attention to the fact that I'm registering this information, but I am semi-registering this information as I'm stumbling along, kicking what's left of you know my life along the dirty uh, garage floor. So the so next thing I know, though, I'm kind of snapped out of this daze by the, the woman yelling, hey, hey, excuse me, excuse me like a normal person who understands the situation because her situation clearly is apparently you can't open the gate with the weight of your car from that side. That would be really kind of rendering the gate uh, useless. The gate for her is locked and for me would be open. So she's saying, hey, hey, excuse me, excuse me. So I wake up. And I say, yes, and and she says, The gate's locked, and I say, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm about to leave, and I'm going to move my car, and when my car is here, it's going to open the gate, and then I'll back up, and I'll get out of your way. And she's like, oh, my God, thank you, thank you. So I go do that. I get in my car, and I back up my car, and I get my car, and I put my car in front of the gate, which is really kind of behind the gate, and the gate opens, and then I back up, and she comes in, and I feel like a hero. I feel like a hero because... I was able to successfully back my car into the proper position to trip whatever tripwire needs to be tripped to open the gate. I'm a hero. So I I drive out of the driveway, up the ramp, I should say, really, this very steep, narrow, cold shaft of a ramp. And I turn my car and it's very, there's a lot of traffic on the main road there, um, Alameda. So I just take a right just because it's going to be easiest. I'd sit there all day if I tried to take a left. So I just take a right. And we bought a new car and I'll tell you about that later. We got a new car with a navigational system and I don't usually like nav systems. I just use my phone and I decide, "Uh, you know what? I'm free. I did it. I survived. Stan was smiling. Stan does not hate me. I rescued a woman from a driveway. I'm a hero. I'm going to put on the navigational system. I'm going to listen to some radio, some 80s music on the radio. I don't have to be anywhere till it's time to pick up my daughter. I don't have to pick her up until, I don't know, like, I don't know, after school or something. I don't even remember at this point. It's all a blur. I think it is. It's her first full day of school. So I've got the whole day to myself. My wife is in Barcelona, so I can just go. I'm going to figure out where I can get some lunch and just relax. I'm going to go straight. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go. I can't eat in the car. I'm not allowed. That's our new rule. Our new rule is I'm not allowed to eat in the new car. Okay, because I was just going to get some crappy drive through food, and I was going to be so happy, and I was going to eat drive through food in the car, but I'm not allowed to eat in the new car. Because I'm not the boss of anything. So I gotta... Okay, well, I'm gonna go home. Oh, you know what I'll do? (gasps) I've got some leftover chicken in the refrigerator. I'm gonna go home. I'll just go straight home. I'm gonna go home, and I'm gonna eat that chicken. And that chicken's gonna be so good, I'm gonna drink a Diet Coke and eat chicken. (gasps) (gasps) And I'm gonna watch Battlestar Galactica. (gasps) My new obsession, Battlestar Galactica from 2003. (gasps) I'm going to eat chicken. I'm going to sit in the living room. And I'm going to eat chicken. And I'm going to drink Diet Coke. And I'm going to watch Battlestar Galactica. And I can't wait. My kids are both at school. I've survived the day. My wife is in Barcelona. Hudson wasn't murdered taloo got to school on time. Now, really, my biggest concern, really, the only thing I have to do now is make sure neither of the kids gets injured before my wife gets back. Because really, that's the main thing. Because often, maybe not every time, but often when she goes out of town, somebody gets hurt. And so now it's become this thing this kind of neurotic, but really actually semi-justified thing with her. She doesn't want to go out of town because one of the kids, usually Tolu, gets injured. Right. Because I'm pretty sure the time that Tolu was in school and running down the hall and someone called her name or something. And then she stopped looking where she was going. And then she ran into the corner of the hallway and split her head open and had to go to Beverly Hills and get all the plastic surgery stitches. And then all that. Remember that she was bleeding and it was cut to the bone. My wife, I'm pretty sure, was out of town. I remember that time when Tulu was running out on the playground and she wasn't looking where she was going and she ran into that pole. And even though the pole is covered in that kind of like wrestling mat material, she broke her nose. Remember that? I think I think Melissa was out of town for that one, too. So all I have to do. All I have to do is keep the children from Incoming call. See, the car has a screen, and on the screen it says, Incoming call. And after a few beats, it still says, Incoming call. But then it'll also say who the incoming call is from. And then, right, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, because I assume it's my wife, because she, oh, no, I think she was in the air that day. No, she wasn't in the air that day. She was on the ground, and I'm waiting. For... It's going to be my wife, because even though she's in Barcelona, she can still call me, because she has a cell phone. So I'm assuming it's going to come up and say Melissa Weber, but it doesn't. It says, Daughters, School. Oh, please. Oh, please. Please. No, please, Lord. Dear Lord. Dear Lord, it is your humble servant, Dan. I know, I know, I only call when I need something. But the truth is, please, please, just make this not be about that she's in the... Hello? (laughs) Hi, Daddy. (laughs) It's me. (laughs) Uh Now, it turns out she had injured her thumb. So I finally get her to calm down enough to talk to me. And it turns out that she has injured her thumb. And I say, well, is it bad, honey? And she says, no. And I say, well, what happened? And she says, I was running down the hall. Uh, Here we go. No, 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 no. I was running down the hall. I was going to say something to Malik. I was going to like make a joke or something. And I'm not sure how, but I jammed my thumb into the palm of my other hand. I'm sorry, well, honey, what did you say? It sounded like you said that you jammed your thumb into the palm of your other hand? Yeah, and, and I just don't want mom to be mad because she said I would, and I'm, gonna, and I'm not supposed to get hurt, and she's out of town, and I'm going go to Spain, and she's going to thank. I'll be there as soon as I can. I'm sure it's nothing. Honey, I'll be there. I'm going to come there right now, even though I'm starving and I just want to eat a piece of chicken and drink a Diet Coke and watch Battlestar Galactica. Honey, I'm going to come straight there. I'm going to come straight there because I'm your father. I'm your father and I would crawl over hot coals for you. But baby, I'll be right there. But tell him one thing, baby. Whatever you do, take a moment and pray that your mother does not call me in the next 20 minutes. And you know how this story goes. So the fact that I'm going to tell you how the story goes, it re- it's a bit ridiculous. I mean, it really is, right? Because you know exactly how this plays out. You know exactly how this plays out. And you know exactly how this plays out. How it plays out is exactly. I'm driving down the freeway. And I'm freaking out because I'm worried about my daughter, even though I know she's going to be fine. But I want to just get there fast. I'm to get there fast. I want to make sure she's okay. And I'm sure she's okay. Because she's jammed her thumb on her own hand. How bad could it be? She didn't split her head open or break her nose. She jammed her thumb a little bit. But she's freaking out because she's worried that she's going to get hurt when mom is in Barcelona. And I get it. And you know how the story goes. That my wife has her mother radar. I don't know how she does it. But she knows to start texting me, even though she should think that I'm in the middle of shooting a scene for a movie, she starts texting me. Hey, how's it going? Is everyone doing okay? (laughs) Uh, uh, But I'm hitting just enough traffic where... I don't know how much more I can stall. See, what I want to do is I want to stall until I get to school. And I see that our daughter is perfectly fine. And then I can respond, but there's too much traffic. It's too far a distance. I've got to get to school. But I wait anyway. I want to see. Maybe somehow traffic will open up. Maybe suddenly it won't be right. Uh, Los Angeles traffic. Maybe it'll be fantasy land traffic. Maybe it'll be middle-of-the-night traffic. At 1130 in the morning on a weekday. Absolutely, that's possible. 1130 on a Friday morning, sure. Every th- the skies will part. and this, uh, Yeah. But I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And she texts me again. Oh, no, that's what it was. No, 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 no. no she doesn't text me because I'm just going to ignore her text. I'm going to pretend I didn't get her text. And then the phone rings. Hmm. What should I do? I know. I know. I know. Okay. Okay. This is good. I know. Okay. I'll uh what do you call the call? You know, uh uh dismiss the call. What's the term? You know what I mean? Where you like hang up on the person before you ever even pick up. You know what I mean? You dismiss, you don't you reject the call. Do you know what I'm saying? So I reject the call from the car. Because it says, incoming call, Melissa Weber. And I say, you know what I'll do? I'll uh, hang up before I even pick up. Maybe she'll think, I just got to buy like five minutes at this point. Maybe 10. Maybe, okay, 15. But, but but right? I'll dismiss the call. Maybe she'll assume that I'm still on the set. And then I can text her back after I see that Toulouse thumb is perfectly fine. So I reject the call and I'm speeding off the freeway, and I'm getting off the freeway, so it's not that much further. I think I'm going to be able to pull this off. You know how the story goes. I'm not even sure why I'm continuing the telling of the story. The phone rings again. So I say to myself, you know what a normal person would do right now? Dan, they would lie. A normal, rational person, husband, father, American, male, would just lie. Pick up the phone and then just lie. Act like it's before your daughter called and said she hurt her thumb. You're going to be saving your wife from anxiety and fear. You're going to be doing your wife a favor if you just Lie. Then in 10, 20 minutes, whatever it is, you can tell her the truth. You're just time shifting the truth. That's all you're doing. It's not really lying, Dan. Dan, it's not lying. It's just time shifting reality. You're just going to talk to your wife now as if it's a half an hour ago. And then in a half an hour, you can skip the half hour that you're kind of pretending didn't exist. And then you can go back to regular time. But for now, Dan, whatever you do, do us all a favor and just lie. So I answer the phone. Because you know, you you know, the first call you can kind of like listen, I'm busy or something's going on. when when your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, child, parent, whatever calls you back again, there's that chance that someone's dead. They're dead or they've got a leg off or something. Something's going wrong. That that level of persistence, right, is unnatural. So you have to pick up. So the planet, I got to pick up. I've got to pick up, Dan. Do us all a favor. So I pick up the phone. Hello? Hey, baby, how's it going? Oh. Fine. Fine. Everything's good how are things in Barcelona? what's wrong? what do you mean? what do you mean what's wrong what what could be wrong? What do you mean what's wrong how could how what what are you talking about I don't understand I don't understand what what do you mean? I don't know. you just sound i don't know you just sound funny. is everything okay? Just lie, just lie. Dan, seriously, I'm not joking around. It's not really a lie. I'm calling it a lie. It's not, again, tell her the truth, but just the truth of a half an hour ago. It's not lying. It's not against your nature, Dan. It's just, think of it as an acting assignment. Okay, here's the scene. The scene is that you are you a half an hour ago, and your daughter hasn't called you yet. And action, go, scene, go, go. All right, don't freak out, but Talou hurt her thumb. It's no big deal. I'm sure it's no big deal. She jammed her thumb on her own hand. I'm sure it's no big deal. I'm going to see her in five minutes. How about I hang up? How about we don't talk about it now? Because I don't want to hear about it now. Because I don't want to hear about you freaking out right now. Let's just hang up, and I'll call you in like 10 seconds when I'm with her. But i got to race to school and park, and then I'll see her in 10 seconds. She's waiting for me in the lobby. It'll be like 10 seconds. I'll call you right back. I'll text you. That's right. You have to call me back. Okay. You're right. You're right. You have to call me because you're in Barcelona and you you can. But i my phone is American. Your phone's American. You gotta. Okay. I'll text you in ten seconds. In five seconds, I will know that our daughter is fine. So miraculously, instead of me hearing her verbal angst-ridden, motherly loop of like, I knew something was going to happen and I hate going out of town and I hate leaving the country. Every time I go to another country, someone gets hurt. It's always Tulu. She always gets hurt. And I'm like, and I don't want to have to talk about how I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that if we just stop talking about it, no one would get hurt. It's like when we get in the car to go on a family drive and you immediately start going, Tulu, are you going to throw up? Tulu, are you going to throw up? And then five minutes later, she's like, my stomach hurts. You know why? It's because we've been talking about puke since we got in the car. So thankfully, she lets me off the phone and I race down the hill and I go over to the school and I jump out of the car and I go in the building and I don't see my daughter. And the really nice receptionist says, hello, Mr. Class, like nothing's going on. And I say, hello, and I'm looking around and I am looking towards the little nurses area there and I'm like, "Ha ha, ha. W- uh, where's Tulu? Oh, I don't know. She must be up at class. I'm like, but she was just here crying into the phone. She jammed her thumb into the palm of her hand. I've got to text my wife back in five seconds. Oh, she must have gone back up in class. Do you want me to get her? Well, yeah, I have to text. Do you? I have to text my wife. Do you not understand that I am married and my wife is in Barcelona? So they call up to Talu. They try to figure out where she was. And I sit down. Now, you know my wife is going to text me because five seconds has long come and gone. Ten seconds, three minutes, five minutes. So she's texting me like, "Wow." Oh. So I'm texting her like, please, baby, please. I'm sure it's nothing. She went back to school. Or she went back to class. If anything was wrong, right, she wouldn't have gone back to class. She went back to class. Nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. I will text you. The minute, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and she's not coming, and my wife is sitting in some hotel room in Barcelona and wondering what the hell's going on. So finally, T comes down, and she's all blonde hair and smiles and like, hi, daddy. And I'm like, baby, where have you been? Oh, I was up in class. Well, how's your thumb? Oh, it still hurts a little bit, but it's okay. So I text my wife immediately. She's fine. She's fine. So I say, well, you know, listen, baby, blah, blah, blah. You had me worried, but I wanted to see anyway, you know, first day of school. I'm glad you got here on, you know, okay with your friend's mom and yada, yada, yada. And then my phone, of course, rings from Spain. And I don't know, you know, do all parents go through this? Do all men like fathers go through this thing with the mother the mother can't be there and mother all the time and the daughter and the whole thing because you know how this plays out too. And I was hoping to avoid this, but there's never a way to avoid this. My phone rings and it's my wife. And she says, can I talk to T? And I say, yes. And then Tulu, who was just skipping down, oops sorry, Tulu, who was just skipping down the hallway. Tulu, who was just skipping down the hallway, big smiles and blonde hair. All backlit and happy, is now hunched over my cell phone, crying. Well, Mom, I just miss you so much, and I have my thumb in the palm of my hand, and you're so far away, and I got to school, and the thing, the thing, and my thumb, and you always say not to get hurt. For ten. Minutes, 10 minutes of sitting there, putting each other through completely unnecessary emotional turmoil. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, you know, I, I wish I could at least check my email or something. You've got my phone. You're crying. People are walking by wondering why I'm sitting in the lobby in the middle of the day while my daughter cries into a telephone The head of school walks by. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) Welcome back to school. But that's how those stories go. Always. Moms have radar. They know when something's going wrong and they know when it's the least convenient time to call. They know exactly when you're trying to bustle the kids into the car. And they know exactly when to text you to find out which one's hurt. Every time. Whether they're in another room, they're at the office, or they're in Barcelona. Man, mama's got that radar. Radar. Okay, so apparently that is uh, this episode of The Bitterest Pill. First one since April. God, I hope I'm mistaken. I hope there's some show that I recorded since April. I'm mean, April? Are you kidding? It's September. Wow, it's September 11th. Okay, wow, that's sobering. Um, so it's September 11th, 2014. Uh, this has been The Bitterest Pill. So here's some things we may or may not talk about next time. Uh, Battlestar Galactica. We already mentioned that a little bit. I love it. If you've never seen it, it's on Netflix until October first, so you better start your binge now. It, yeah, it might be my favorite space thing. Uh, time. yeah. I, I hope I upset some trekkers just then because it, you deserve it. You should watch Battlestar and be quiet. Uh, car wash babes. Oh, well, I'll tell you that before we go. Construct. Yeah, there's been there was so much construction this summer. We went to Santa Barbara. The movie I was I'm in that I still haven't even read the script I have no idea I'm in a movie apparently I'm in a movie I have no idea what it's about but it's called I think it's called 96 souls Uh, I went and saw Godzilla and Guardians of the Galaxy we'll talk about that now that nobody really cares I taught my daughter to ride a bike which is what the fake tease was at the beginning of the show those were all fake I'm too lazy to do them for real anymore we bought a new car uh yeah And and then um yeah Oh, and hey, and if you're in the Los Angeles area, you know about a year ago, it was actually a year ago, next weekend? Yeah. A year ago, next Friday, we shot The Quota. Jim Kush, you know, Kush, The Kush, podcasting's Kush, directed a short film called The Quota that stars Suzanne Rattan. From LA Law, Jenica Berger from, uh, man, all sorts of stuff. Um, Safety Not Guaranteed. What was that sitcom she was on last season? Um, The Stepwife? The Stepmom? The Second Wife? Trophy Wife? Tro- Trophy Wife? Starring, uh, Bradley Whitford, maybe? Is that his name? And then the girl whose name I can't remember, who's blonde and kind of pretty, and I don't know how, how to pronounce her name. You know what I'm talking about? <talking away> yeah, Jenica. So, so Susan Rattan, Roxy from L.A. Law, Jenica from Safety Not Guaranteed, and Yours Truly. Or in this film, this short film called The Quota, we shot it a year ago, and it will be making its world premiere here in Los Angeles at the uh, 2014 uh, Scream Fest. Scream Fest horror movie best because it's kind of a horror-ish movie I play a psycho killer can't wait to see uh, how people like it I really like it I think everybody did a great job I even think I didn't do a horrible job no I did actually it was okay the ladies are fantastic and hilarious and Jim is a very good director and the crew was awesome Peyton Skelton's awesome DP so if you're in LA and you go to that kind of thing uh i will be there on i think it's october 19th sunday at nine o'clock for the shorts program that we are in i don't remember what number it is i'm sure i will put the information on the website and um that that's pretty much it well what i was going to say about uh car wash babes was um and actually this was the day that i shot intelligence. I went from the studio and I had to take my car to the car wash before I picked up my daughter. So I'm at the car wash and because I, I, I need your kind of legal counsel on this. And I'm pretty sure that I didn't do anything wrong. But listen, I, I live in LA and it was springtime. So it was kind of warm. And for for whatever reason, there were two or three unnecessarily attractive and well-dressed women washing, getting their cars washed at the same time as I was. And they were at the little vacuum area. You you sit in your car. It's one of those where you stay in your car and you go through. And it washes your car and it dries your car. It blow dries your car. And then it spits you out at the end. And then there are all these little air thingies, parking spots with vacuum cleaners. And you can vacuum out the inside of your car. So I'm vacuuming my car and I'm thinking to myself, hey, you know, across the driveway there, that woman is almost like she looks like Posh Spice like almost exactly like Posh Spice, if Posh Spice was attractive. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm vacuuming and I'm looking at attractive Posh Spice. Wow, it's so amazing that there's such an attractive woman here at the car wash in the middle of the day. And then I realize that the car directly next to me is another very attractive woman. And it's springtime and it's warm out and she's wearing a very short dress. And this is where it gets a little tricky. She's wearing, and I'm not going to get graphic here, but she's wearing a short dress and she's wearing high heels because this is how you would dress on the day you know you need to vacuum out your car in a public place and she's an adult. This is a woman, you know, in her early 30s, let's say. Just to be clear, this is a woman old enough to know better. She knows she's in public. I'm in the car next to her. I, I'm, my, my presence is clear to the world. And as she is... So I'm to her left, okay? You understand? I'm to her left. I glance over. She's vacuuming the driving area of her car. I'm sorry, I just dropped something because I'm so... Just the the thought of this is is baffling to me. And baffling isn't the word. I look over. She's vacuuming the driver's area of her car. And I can see... What I would normally refer to... As up her dress. However my eyes and i checked at the time because i wanted to make sure that i could not be incriminated on this issue i wanted to make sure that i wasn't breaking some sort of uh voyeurism law some sort of peeping tom i wanted to make sure that i was not committing a sex crime and i'm pretty sure i did not because i was looking up quote unquote up allegedly up this woman's dress but my eyes were pointed downward do you understand what I mean I was not looking in an upwardly position I was actually looking from a straight ahead position I don't know what you want to call that zero degrees see now I'm gonna mess myself up I, I shouldn't have got I shouldn't have mentioned degrees because now I'm just gonna get confused okay Okay, let's say straight up is zero degrees and straight ahead is 90 degrees. Let's just call that 90 degrees. I was looking at 90 degrees or greater angle from straight up. Do you understand? I was not, I could see the contents. Her ass was sticking out. I mean, how plain do I need to be? She's bending over at the car wash and I can see the bottom of her rear end. What? Why? That has got to be illegal for her. Not for me, for me. Listen, if I, if I was lower, if I had made some attempt to look up her dress, if I had right, if, if she was standing on a box and I was pretending to vacuum my car, you know, in an effort to like make my head lower and to look up her skirt where she would presume some sort of veil of privacy that I can see would be a legally binding voyeuristic maneuver. But what I'm saying is my head was above her waistline, and I could still see what you might commonly call up her dress. And I'm sorry, I think I am the victim of a sex crime. I do not think I have perpetrated a sex, I think I have had a sex crime performed upon me. I think I have been my prurient interests have been aroused without my prior consent. And I I want to press charges or something. I don't know what to do about this. Now, granted, this was probably six months ago. I have not actually been traumatized in any way. Other than I do have this image of these very tan butt cheeks. Revealing themselves out from a from a dress, from like an aqua blue, dark, what is that dark aqua color called? A teal? I don't know. But I had my prurient interests aroused against my forethought. So I believe that I am a victim, and I believe that I should be interviewed by Oprah. Because that was not fair. Because all I thought about was naked butts. For probably three weeks after that. And that is not right. A man should not be subjected to un uh you know uh confirm you you understand what I mean? She did not have her per- my permission to show me her beautiful butt cheeks. And I don't care how many times she's on a stairmaster or goes to yoga or Pilates or whatever. And the tanning booth, the spray tan, I that it still was non consensual exposure to attractive gluteus maximus. And I'm sorry that I, I just I don't think anything should be done about it. Anyway, I've babbled. Can you tell that it's getting really hot in here? We've definitely passed actually that threshold. Remember I told you there was a threshold where um between where I really would have the ability to turn on the air conditioning and where I would lose all judgment because that is that threshold has been passed we are now in babbling heat prostrated psychosis this is not the show this is I don't know what this is this is me crying for help and unfortunately you know this isn't being broadcast this is a recording So there's no telling if I'll ever stop. And when I do stop, if I'll make it to the door. And if I make it to the door, if I'll make it out of here. I just want you to know that I'm very grateful that you listened to me. And I will talk to you soon. All right? All right, bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's...